0: What's good, family? It's your boy Cheats here, and on today's episode of the Black Baseball Mixtape Podcast, we talk about the connection between baseball and hip-hop. That's right, it's not a connection that's often talked about, but as you know, In the year 2023, we celebrated 50 years of hip-hop, and it seemed like everybody under the sun was having a conversation about it, and baseball could not be left out. So, the production was called Off the Field, On the Record. It was magically done. It was shot by Andre Ladon. It was produced by the Players' Alliance. They pulled together some true legends of the game, intergenerational legends of the game, to have a discussion about the impact of hip-hop and hip-hop culture on the game of baseball. And you do not want to miss this discussion. You can see it if you want to watch it. You can see it. Over 20,000 people have already watched it on the Players' Alliance YouTube page. Please make sure you check that out. But if you're just riding in your car or you're doing some work this week, check it out and listen to this because we have an amazing panel. It was Eric Davis. It was Lawrence Butler, the young rookie out of Oakland. It was two-time NL All-Star Michael Bourne. It was Jason Boudreau, CeCe Sabathia, Edwin Jackson, hosted by... Van Latham, that amazing cultural critic Van Latham, and co-hosted by yours truly, myself, Cheats from the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am so excited. I can't wait for you to hear this panel discussion before we cut right to this special podcast, i got to do the housekeeping and shout out our sponsors, Stilo Media. Shout out to them for always powering the BBM podcast, the Players Alliance for all of their support, and our latest sponsor, orentia 21. Make sure you check out orentia 21com It's a perfect combination of all the things I love, which is caps, baseball, and culture. You'll find amazing snapback hats on their website make sure you check it out with that said let's cut right to the podcast this is off the record on the field a special panel presented by the players alliance
1: 2023 has been one of the most important cultural years that anyone can remember for one specific reason it marks the 50-year anniversary of the creation of hip-hop now unless you've been living under a rock you know the hip-hop is the number one form of cultural expression today in America, and some would argue, worldwide. We're here with members of the Players Alliance to talk about how hip hop has influenced culture in Major League Baseball. You know, it's synonymous with so many different sports. You hear it everywhere, you see it in commercials. But in Major League Baseball, what is the past, the present, and the future of hip hop? We have some amazing guests here to talk with us. To my right. We have C.C. Sabathia, Jason Bourgeois, and Edwin
0: Jackson. Joining me to my left is the legend himself, Eric Davis, young lion right here, Lawrence Butler, Michael Bourne. We are very excited to have this conversation.
1: All right, so let's start at the beginning of the story Um, because I'm sure all y'all have y'all each individual connections with hip-hop, what it's meant to you guys and how it's like affected you and what you've gotten from it. But I want to start with E.D. Because you come into the league in 84. That's just around the time that hip-hop is starting to blow up here in America and people are starting to understand what the music is and what it means. What are some of your earliest connections to hip-hop, to the music itself?
2: Well, it was just starting to formulate with hip-hop. Before it was just rap and then you had R&B and you had soul. So my early years was more R&B. That's why I got a lot of my style and stuff was from R&B. From all the way back to Cool Mo D to when LL them started to when Ice-T first introduced the gangster rap that led to NWA and not really knowing where it was gonna go because it came in as gangster rap was, was, was what really turned the culture and turned the hip hop into the iconic stage that it is today but from that perspective me as a young black player i was just trying to find my niche in, into how i was able to utilize uh th- those particular things uh first and foremost we didn't have walk-up music the crowd was the walk-up music and uh th- if, if they cheered for you you was doing good if they booed you you was horse <laughs> so <laughs> you, you was trying to get that crowd you know what i'm saying but uh, R&B with Teddy Pendergrass and Luther and, and, and the OJs and all those guys is where I really started to find my groove. And uh, then once they started to come, then it was just a matter of the West Coast. That's what we did on the West Coast. And then you <laughs> had, like E-40 and Two Short and them. And Hammer was one of my first partners. So the, seeing how that moved itself in, into the 90s to where it
1: started to really express itself as that culture. C.C. So you, you played in New York. Obviously, that's the birthplace of hip-hop. Um, how did those two things intersect during your playing career—rap music and culture—and baseball?
3: Oh, I mean, I think it, it intersected the very first night. I mean, my very first night, I signed in New York. I had this big press conference, and you know, Hov and OG is sitting at the press conference. Like that was my introduction to New York City. Was them, you know, inter, in, you know, kind of bringing me out as a Yankee, going to Forty Forty Club that night, and that's just kind of how our relationship started. Very first night in New York, but. You know, me being a West Coast guy growing up, you know, in California, I was always like, you know, Mac Dre, E-40. Um, you know, I, I gravitated to bigger guys because I was always a bigger guy. So like Heavy D and, and uh, Big E were like my favorite rappers. Um, so getting a chance to come to New York and, and really express all of that and, and explore all of that um, was pretty cool. And in, in the way that Jay and, and Ty and Emery and all those guys kind of took me in for me
4: hip-hop got me through a lot of situations. Uh, whether it's listening to lyrics, uh, it could be a song that, that, that explain how I feel. Like, I was in Tampa Bay in 2008, and I came out to <laughs> to your boy, um... um I came out to Kanye, you know? Oh. Wait till I get my money right. I was, that's how I felt. i trying to trigger Wait till me. Me my... my... <laughs> I get my I came can't out, I had I, to... I ain't wanna I ain't wanna start it like that. I ain't wanna start it like that. I came out to your boy. I ain't wanna start it like that. I ain't wanna start it, but that's just how I felt, cause I couldn't wait till I get my I money knew, right. Yeah, yeah. And the, not that they couldn't tell me nothing, but in the period was in my career, I was like, that's how I felt this song, it resonated with me. And I was like, man, when I get my money right, they go, I mean, they can't tell me nothing, but I won't act like that. But I'm like, man, I'm watching everybody around me and they got bread and I don't have a lot yet. So I'm like, I can't wait till I get my money right. So what you're saying
1: is basically is, and that's interesting, right? And that's kind of like what we're talking about. That song, the message and the music, even though you weren't, you didn't have the exact same feeling that Ye did at that time. You doing your job out there, coming out making a debut putting yourself out there you can understand the feeling that he was feeling when he was recording that right and that's what what i say it
4: translates to a lot of different songs man at a point in my career i mean i've been on so many teams i've been on 14 teams uh, and, and I, it was hard for me to always pick songs, but I just kind of picked them to how I felt. Like I was in a Bay, and I know me naturally, I went from Georgia. I want to come out to something from the South, but I was like, listen, I'm in Oakland. Oakland got their own style of music. It's only right that I come out to an Oakland song that I can look around the crowd and I got the fan base in it. You know, I came out the boy, it was uh, P-Lo Be Legit and E40. Okay. But I just wanted to see something that I can get the crowd involvement in. There. I mean, when you pitching at home, you want everybody to be with you, you want the synergy. I want my teammates to be vibing, and I want the stands to be vibing because we about to turn up together they're going to be they're going to be screaming when i get it out and they're going to be born to other teams. so i want them to be involved in the game and kind of be uh where i am on the field i want that energy to transcend throughout the whole i mean transcend through the whole stadium so i kind of pick my come out songs accordingly depending on where i'm playing at
3: yeah that makes sense because that's the, that was the reason why i picked big papa because i wanted something like new york yeah you know what i mean like something iconic because you know Derek had his song mo had his metallica yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I wanted something that, like when people heard that song, automatically think of me. And I remember the whole first half of 2009, I'm searching for a song to come out to, just got to New York and blah, blah, blah. And I had a terrible first half. Me and my wife went on vacation and, and they publica- it played like 10 times. Yeah. That, on that vacation, I was like, that's my fing song. It you know what I mean? Like it just, it kind of picked me. And then we played it and I was like, blast that shit. And I, I didn't walk out the dugout until they started playing the music. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So y'all know when y'all hear that, yeah. shit, I'm coming. Yeah. So like, it, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I definitely picked that song because of where I was at. Yeah.
1: Jason, you from my neck of the woods, mm-hmm. down there, near Boston, Texas. Like, what about you? Like, what were some of the earliest influences or recollections that you have of hip hop influencing you?
5: Well, we get to double down today because my guy Mike Bourne is from Houston too. Okay. So for me. It was UGK, UGK for That's life. That's what I'm
1: talking about. Shout out Bum B.
5: Bum B, P, You know, my mom took me to the store, I think when I was about 13 or 14 years old, and I can't believe she let me do this, but she let me purchase super tight. Oh my <laughs> God! You know what I mean? Hey, look. She I'm released right. you to the streets! <laughs> it, 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 was, it was right next to cocktails. So like, <laughs> like, she, you know what I mean? Like, short. And she's like, don't you get that one. You're gonna get this one if right. you one. So, you know, I took that thing home, man. Um, They made such a huge influence, and still to this day, Bumpy is such a major factor when it comes to the community in Houston. Solid brother. Uh, Burgers, of course. But he's just a hip-hop head. He's one of the greatest, I feel like, of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I'm biased, you know what I mean? Just like I am with my sports teams when it comes to Houston. But this guy's a staple, and he was one of those guys that I looked up to early. And you know know what, man? This guy, he got it figured out. Now, I know the lyrics might be one thing, but he's going to motivate you in other ways. Um, My walkout song, Pushing. You know, they took that sample of Otis Redding, keep on pushing. I was a guy that was steady grinding in the minor leagues for a long time. Say, so you know what, let me come out to this. I started going off. Mm. And all they need to do is just hit that song. It triggered me to keep going. And it was my walkout song for about 10 to 12
2: years, maybe. Ours was more different because that really, and when the gangster rap like really hit, it, it, it started the gang culture to activate that's true so as a as a young black player you had to differentiate on which side that, that, that you was going to play why because i had cousins that was six o's i had cousins that was bloods so i'm in the middle i had a red and a blue car you know what i'm saying so i mean i drive this one over here, and this one over here. Oh, absolutely so you had to show that love and stuff but as you started to go snooping in when they got with dr dre and by the time I started coming out to something, I came out to California Love. Okay. Mm. And okay, it showed everywhere I went, what was the California Love and stuff. Because like you said, everybody would always be talking about what was popping, what was popping. So just the mindset of of of, of trying, do I indulge or do I move this way or, or, or how to move, like baseball hadn't accepted it yet. The world hadn't accepted it yet, right. you know, with the cussing and, the, yeah. and what – at the Luke and them talking about America and like that. It was a lot of stuff that was going on. So you had to be careful about what you indulged yourself in because back then you didn't get second chances to fuck up as a young black player. You was out of here. So you had to say, well, no, not yet, not yet. Now it's time that we could start doing things and bump it in the clubhouse and everybody accepted it. But it would have been better had the older guys didn't grow up with rap and stuff like that. So like I said, I heard Marvin Gaye and the Spinners and in the clubhouse and on the back of the plane and stuff like that. So, James. yeah. All, so that whole ensemble of how it translated into in, me was with time and, and then learning what to do because Cali was different than any other place on on Red and Blue and whose song was just, it was a lot of, it was a long time before rappers used, wouldn't even come to Cali.
1: Right?
2: Because of the gang culture and what the culture meant as, as far as rapping things of that nature. And I was because
1: your man Hammer was out there terrorizing
2: them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling because your man Hammer was. People, but Hammer is underrated. Hammer was out there terrorizing. See, you don't know nothing about that. I'm gonna come to you right don't now, little but Hammer, bro, don't let them don't let them shiny pants fool you. Hammer was out there terrorizing them. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, I wanna I wanna talk to you real quick. You are. Uh, you're the young buck on, on, on the panel. Um, hip-hop has changed a lot. It's changed a lot. Edie was just talking about the fact that a lot of the street politics started to become involved in hip-hop uh, around the time that he, he watched it grow. Now it seems like the street politics in hip-hop, it's, it's just ubiquitous to the sound of the music. It's, it's, it's everywhere in it. It's everywhere. For you... How do you approach like what it is that you listen to? Because a lot of stuff I hear as an old head, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just getting to the point to where I'm like, these d- kids is crazy. <laughs> I'm just at that point in my life. How do you? I'm just getting there. I heard a, I heard a record a couple of weeks ago. I was like, nah, man, nah. Um, so for you, what are your experiences with the music? What is it that you listen to? Do you feel people when they talk about like how the streets Um, are maybe overrepresented in the music today, or are we just being old? I mean...
6: Like you said, I mean, hip hop done changed a lot. You got my generation, we knew we young, so we gonna have our own little wave of music. It's gonna be different from y'all's. So you got new sounds, new technology, ways to make your voice sound different, like all types of new stuff. But I mean, it's really like, I just, I really like to, to listen what I can relate to. Like rappers still these days still make music that you can kind of relate to, you know, like some of my favorite artists, Baby, of course, cause he from where I'm from. So love Baby. No cap, like Young Thug and Future are like probably the biggest two influencers in the whole Atlanta rap game. And like for them, like they like Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Like you see Future and Thug go anywhere, no matter anywhere in Atlanta, they good. So I mean, them two is really who I grew up off of. It's another like local little rap group. They was kind of like our age when we was like coming up middle school, high school, like rich kids. That's who like. Like, because in Atlanta, we, we really listen to the people from Atlanta. We listen to a lot of underground artists that ain't nobody heard before, but later on, they're going to become mainstream. Like, we've been new about the Gunners, the Young Thugs, the Lil Babies, like Gucci. Like I, I always listen to Gucci when I, as a little kid. He's one of my favorite artists, like Jeezy, like all them. So, but I mean, it's just a new way, the kids younger and, you know, from where they from, that's what is influenced around them is streets. Like, that's who rich. That's who got all the cars. That's what, that's who have an emotion is the the um, robbers, trappers, scammers. So when they rapping, that's all they really know is
1: street. So like, you feel like so, it's authentic to their experience yeah, and that's, not just something? It
6: ain't even know. Like, it's not even, for majority of them, it ain't rap cap because it's like that's all they know. They don't know nothing else. They dropping out of school, so it's like all they seeing is, Baby, them getting rich off of rapping and doing what they're doing. So they're like, that's the only way out for me, too. So let me, let that's me ask,
0: because, really, Lawrence, you mentioned the, ED and Lawrence, both mentioned the clubhouse. And I'm interested to know, when did the clubhouse change in regards to the soundtrack of the clubhouse? When did you notice that hip-hop music, because now you're going to the clubhouse now, if they're playing music, Eighty-five percent of the time.
6: I Hang to lie. in spring training. This like this past spring training was my first big league spring training. Jesus Aguilar. As soon as I walk in the clubhouse, he tell me I'm on ox every day. But
3: I gave it right to Judge. Just like how you walked in the first day we we walked in the spring training, Judge, you the DJ. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, this ain't for my ears no more. You know what I mean? And that's what. I kind of came to realize where, like,
2: yeah. but I, listen to to I listen you, to what I listen to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it had to come
3: from yeah. you. Yeah. Oh no, it had to come from me. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it, it changed. I think it changed in like 2010s. Right. Up until that point, but yeah, I mean, to even to Ed's accepted. point, like earlier in my career, like they would associate me listening to rap music with me like being in the streets. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people that I was connected to from my hometown, I wouldn't even bring around because yeah, of how they would perceive it to be. <laughs> that's real. true. You know what right, I'm saying? So true. I couldn't even like bring my friends around the clubhouse because it's like, oh, he listen to rap music. You got you know what I'm saying? Like, which I mean, you got. I mean, when you grow up in that life, in that situation, you got one foot in. You got like he said, it, it is what it is. Like his his
6: partners, so, I can't even like tell happy birthday no more because like, you know social media is so bad. It's like he posting. All types of crazy stuff on his Instagram. I, I tell him have birthday, they click on Instagram. They like, oh, you must be doing the same thing he's doing just cause this your friend. Then
4: you got some teams. Oh, oh I was about to say. Then you got some teams. They do whoever pitching that day, starters yeah, sometimes. Starter the starters get it the it choice it because it's really day day. So it really kind of depends on the team.
1: You know, baseball is interesting. I I grew up playing, watching the sport. My father was a baseball player my entire life, and I remember one day. Um. Like, early to mid-90s, my dad brings me into the living room, and he was like, look at this boy. And it was Ken Griffey Jr. And uh, Griffey was, during batting practice, he had his hat on backwards. And I remember what a gigantic deal that was, Mm -hmm. that that he had flipped his hat and he was putting his hat on backwards while he was hitting his BP. And it didn't matter black or white or whatever, that was like something that the game had to come to terms with. That he was young, he looked at things differently, he was doing it his own way. And to me that's interesting because as I hear you guys talk about your experiences, it's clear what a big deal hip hop is to all of you. And what a big deal it was throughout you guys' playing careers. You talked about getting energy from the song that you play. You talked about how you meticulously poured over which song that you would use. Sometimes when you're watching Major League Baseball, it doesn't seem like hip hop has that much resonance with inside of of the culture of Major League Baseball. Why is that? Why does it sometimes why is it hard to see that hip hop means as much to baseball as it does? It obviously does.
3: It's hard to see us in the game. It's Mm. only six percent of us. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so go ahead. No, go ahead.
6: And I feel like too, like most of the people that's doing hip hop. It's people like us. And if they don't see no people like us on the field, they're not going to come to the game. So right. it's like, you ain't, like, they like what I'm out here for. Like, I'm out here just watching these random folks I don't even know. Hey, I can't relate to. If you think about the
2: entertainment we have for all our celebratorial e- events and stuff like the All-Star Game and the World Series, we don't really get those type of people Mm-mm. to really come in and be a part of what the festivities are. And, and they don't really see blacks on the field they see blacks, but they ain't us. So as they do interviews and they hear them talk, they be like, oh, them them dudes from the islands and stuff like that. So they aren't really associated with that over here. So it's always gonna be difficult when you don't see us on the field. If it was all black out there, you see Snoop them come to the game because they know certain people, guys, they know, they know, they know. But just as a whole, they don't see it, number one. Number two, if you're talking about marketing in Cincinnati, who are your marketing people? Older white people. Our, our, our town is that type of way. So, so who are you going to get to be a part of the festivities? Now you ain't got but one black dude on the field. And Hunter Green. So who do you bring to associate with that? The game you know who does a good game.
3: job though as far as like culturally is Atlanta. The Braves. Like, they do, like, they bring outcasts in. Like, they have a yeah. bobblehead. Like, d- they do different jerseys. Atlanta is, I think, as far as baseball goes, they figured it out with the culture as far as where they put the stadium, how to bring their fans to to, to them, and how to, like, leverage their hip like, their hip-hop with their fans in baseball. I think they do the best job out of any organization. Do
0: y'all feel as if you, we can see now in 2023, 50 years, we can say there were moments when the NBA embraced hip-hop. There were moments when the NFL embraced hip-hop. Have we seen, is, is there something that y'all can do, we can do to have MLB embrace hip-hop and make it more acceptable? You know the Uzi joint
1: that got popping last yeah. year? Yeah. When they played that at Phillies really games? Oh, that the whole the crowd, went up and everybody's doing time. the dance. Well, it the Steelers
0: games, when, when Wiz and the black and yellow was popping, like the towels. But you, but it's crazy because y'all mentioned, um, you mentioned the, the, the Braves bobblehead, and uh, they had a whole E-40 night in the Bay. And with an E-40 bobblehead, and that was the time, it was, it was either last year or the year before, but that was the time when it was, because it Outkast in Elena, but when I said, when I saw an E-40 bobblehead, an E-40, had I was like, you know, something is changing. They they just, I, I want to go back to that original joint. They just
6: they, did the, um, they did, like, the Falcon Saints game I went to last Sunday. They the whole 50-year anniversary for all the Atlanta rappers. Everyone came out. That's the whole um, they had, out. Yeah, they had Ludacris, Ludacris Han- coming
1: down from the time. ceiling. Yeah. Do you guys want to see, and I'll come to you, Edwin, do you guys want to see a, a future where there's more synergy? I mean, why
4: not? I mean, you think about this. People don't, everybody that's coming to the games, whether you're black or white, it's a lot of people coming out to hip hop music. Of course, the the the, the scene didn't change. Even the white players, they coming in and they know the words more than some of us to the to the songs. Like damn, he know the words. I'm still trying to figure. them. So it's there. The attention just brought not brought there by MLB. And I think half of that problem is getting more black players on the field to kind of to be pro bringing people out. I mean you hearing you hearing references and songs. You see people come to the games. I mean, I mean I'd have been Jeezy in the locker room. I'd have seen Wayne come to the locker room, so they there. Quavo. But Quavo, they they just gotta be like Atlanta. The thing about Atlanta to make Atlanta different is everybody in Atlanta, any sport team that got an A associated to their name with Atlanta, they rap about it, they with it, they ready to brag on them, they just wait for them to win. They ready for them to win so they can make a song about it. I mean, you go back from when 2 Chainz was Titty Boy, he was still rapping, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But if you circle that
2: wagon and you put that camera on them, there's a lot of brothers in them stands down there in Atlanta. So that's what fuels them to be able to know what their culture is in in the city. So what you said is 100% correct. If you view across a lot of them other stadiums, you gotta yeah, look that's to true. find us. Yeah.
6: That's so, true. so they
2: don't feel like they have to cater to that. E. D.
6: they got games on in the and studios. Oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. While they rapping,
4: they sitting here looking at sure. the games and on TV and the sure. studios.
6: Two true. chains got his, his studio over there um by like off Midtown in Atlanta. And like every time you go, I go in there, game on. Mm-hmm. Braves on, like some on, Hawks so on DJ and, Drama too. So the the interest, yeah.
1: the same interest way. is there. The interest is saying.
3: I guess, hip-hop. and it's there because the teams have engaged them. The team, exactly. the team has the engaged them, so they're fans. You know, and everybody I mean? knows Freddie Freeman. Everybody and knows. And it's called synergy. Yeah. Of course, you're gonna be a fan of it. Right. So then you're gonna have it on, and you're gonna be invested in 100. it. 100. I was at yeah. I was at a game with my friend Tommy uh,
1: some years ago. Juan Pierre came up to bat. We was in LA. And they dropped, I used to run base like Juan Pierre. Mm, yeah. And my man goes, my man Tommy, he white, he goes, Jay-Z play baseball? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, man. Nah, he's talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> I to
0: say
7: that because, like you say rap a like lot, Jay Prince, I had a conversation, he's a big baseball fan. Yeah. He came up playing baseball. But people don't know it because we don't, it, it's not It's not out there enough to know. Like he said, in all the other stadiums, you can't see because it's not us on the, CC said the best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We get more players out there. I think we can bridge that gap.
3: And just to point, I like to I'm just I'm, I keep saying Atlanta, but like in the stadium, they have the barbecue. They got sludgy. Everything. They got the barbecue <laughs> that we like. Yeah, they 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 cater into like. What we want to, what we want to be have in the park, so yeah. that's why they show up to the game. Right. And the whole, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like that is also the whole, very,
1: very black. The city. whole
6: stadium, very, the whole stadium is built like that. Like it's basically outside the battery is basically a town, and it's like clubs out there, bars, mm-hmm. hotels, restaurants. Like people go there when the Braves not playing. Mm-hmm. And right. This is what we're Shut gonna party. Do.
1: This is what we're gonna do. Let's say this was the board of of of, of the future of hip hop and baseball in Major League Baseball. What are some of the things that you guys would do to foster the next 50 years, the relationship between hip-hop and Major League Baseball, to make it strong for the next 50 years? What are some of the things that you guys would do? You guys have been in dugouts. You guys have played the game. What are some of the ideas that you guys would have to make that culture a bigger part of the basketball? You know
3: that stupid-ass song they play? Uh, you know, like the songs of the trumpet songs that they yeah. play. It'll be all Bar- hip hop, ball park like, Bar- music. Like, yeah, all just Bar- like if Bar- you're watching Bar- a basketball <laughs> game, it's like watching, like listen to a mixtape. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's always specific to that city. When I listen to the Warriors games, it's so much, Mac, so many Mac Dre beats come on, that I'm like, like you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, it makes me want to watch the game. So I feel like if if we start infusing hip hop just in the times when people like at elevator music. Then, it, then I feel like it'll be more accepted as far as... Yeah, I feel, yeah. it could be an instrument. And you can, you can get them, get
6: them, them and you different. can just, like, just get, like, if a, if a rapper do come to the game, like, get them more involved. Because, like, the Pistons, they do, a, they do like, something called, like, the ice cam. So, like, anybody that, anybody that's there that got on some chains, majority of the time it's going to be a rapper, they got them on the big screen. So mm-hmm. now everybody's seeing them. They at the mm-hmm. game. It's going to make more people come to the game because they see this rapper at the game. Mm-hmm. That's just how I, I feel it's like you can do
4: Build too. They don't have the relationships. A lot. I think, like you say, Atlanta is a special, special team. But I guarantee you, within that office of Atlanta, there's a lot of blacks making that happen. Mm. They got the relationships to the artists. Are reaching out to this PR team to get this artist. Whereas a lot of organizations, I don't think, have that mix up in the office. One
2: hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. where it's
4: starting from. Because the ideas is, I'm pretty sure it's coming from somebody black. The ideas to get if, these. If you people look in at here. the
2: Braves, and we're gonna use the Braves because they're like the poster boy. They always having. And and every one of the black alumni or players is always involved. All all the time, they get him tickets, they invite them to this, they do. Other teams don't do that, so they don't really have blacks to be ingratiated in in what they do because of who's doing the marketing. That's why I brought it back to the marketing. Who's saying we need to do this or we need to do that? So the more that we can get them to now to have a C.C. Sabathia day or he having a day and he's having a day outside of Jackie Robinson day, then you'll start to see more, or oh, we have to mandate more from MLB outside of a week before Jackie Robinson Day and a week after Jackie Robinson Day. See, he's more than that. It should be a Frank Robinson Day. It should be a Willie Mays Day. So, so the more days you have, the more we get a chance to celebrate all of our cultures and the things that we need to celebrate. Because now, if you have a day for him, I, they gonna come, black people gonna come because everybody know him. Yeah. So, yeah. so the more you do that, the more we get to see, now we're putting our stamp on everybody else to make them come out and be a part of what we
0: want to do. And what I'm really hearing, Van, if I'm hearing it correctly, is that there has to be an embracement of the people. Because that's where, that's where the hip-hop culture lives, is with the people. And if they can embrace the people, that are hip-hop comes with it.
1: And I want to big up y'all real quick, seriously, in a real way. That's why what you guys are doing with the Players Alliance is specifically important. Um, as far as I'm concerned, country boy from South Louisiana, Sugarcane League, used to go out there and watch everybody play uh, since I was a little boy. Baseball is, to me, synonymous with the black experience here in America. And to watch over the last decades, sort of the connection between black Americans and baseball erode is something that I don't think people understand what what a what an unforeseen sort of change of direction that is. If you'd have told my dad or my granddad, rest in peace, that it was going to be one day where young black boys weren't going to be playing baseball, it would have scared the hell out of you. So what you guys are doing, your presence, everything that you're doing, how you're giving back is so important. And I think that kind of is what starts not just for hip hop, but for us to have <laughs> a lot of stake in this game that we help create the record books that we help write. So I want to throw a shout out to you guys and make sure you know how important what it is that you're doing. We're going to end this real quick so I can go back and get Andre Dawson an autograph.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to ask if anybody has pivotal moments that connected hip hop to the game. And I'm going to throw it to CeCe because CeCe was talking the other day and he mentioned the old Yankee stadium and the sound system in center field. And when a particular player's music came on and, it, it, it just, there are moments in baseball that you look around and say, "This is happening, and this is hip hop." Tell me a little bit about the yeah, moment. Yeah, it and... was like
3: when, I don't know if y'all remember old Yankee Stadium. They just had the speaker system like mm-hmm. how they have in Dodger Stadium. where It was just mm-hmm. all bass. And I remember this was before I was I was with the Indians. This was before me and Derek even knew each other. I couldn't yeah. stand that mother. <laughs> and he'd come up to the plate. But every time he came up to the plate in the Bronx, it was I get money. That that's so, and then the beat like it had the whole stadium shaking you know like I would be on the mound like I'm definitely giving up a hit or a double or something some dope is about to happen right now at my expense you know what I'm saying all because this f***ing song just played so like you know what I mean like just getting that feeling and that's what I wanted people to feel when they heard my 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 walkout song like oh you hear this song hear this come it's about to be a heavyweight fight for yeah. off for nine innings you know what I'm saying a, so like every time you heard Derek come up to that song it's like you know something dope is about hard. to happen right. at your expense
6: I had a moment like that, like, because, you know, in Oakland, we don't really get no fans no more. So, like, energy low all the time. It don't even sometimes you don't even feel like you're in a big leagues. Like, it's just no fans. It's dead. It's cold. So, like, I have my little two walk-up songs. And my third walk-up song, I had Put Sexy Red on. And I swear to God, every time I went on the bat for that third at-bat, the whole stadium was lit off of Sexy Red. Huh? Littest, lit, that'll be the littest at-bat of the whole night. <laughs> sexy ski
1: come on. They play, <laughs> play ski Because I, it could be the other one, bro. <laughs> 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 I was wondering it could be the other one. <laughs> Why is this saying If it's the other one, what do we want out of this at-bat? <laughs> 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 Obviously, hip-hop has a very distinct style. That style sometimes doesn't reflect baseball. Y'all be wearing tights out there, um, you, know, you know I mean? How do you guys, how do you hip hop a major league baseball uniform? How do you reflect what's going on with the trends of the culture with what you're wearing on the field? So to me
7: it's different, because back in the 80s and 90s, they kind of wore it tight a little bit, kind of how they're now. But like when we came along, the pants went over the shoes. Everybody had the pants over the shoes, all of us. That was our style. If you didn't have your pants over your shoes, you wasn't cool. Like nobody wore their pants. But then it trended back, just like, you know, because we wore our baggy our baggy clothes off the, off the, uh, off the field every day. Because that's what the rappers wore. Every, every, everything was, especially the black baseball players. But the crazy part about it is they follow our trend. They follow what we doing. You know, like they know what we're doing. So guess, I remember when I was in college, I, I came out to a Lil Wayne song, Jump Jiggy Jump, Off of Lights Out. I was the only black player on my team. Every catcher I played against, everywhere I went, they asked me, see, man, what what's, what, what Lil Wayne song is song? that, man? What Lil Wayne song? Every time, every time. I was a big Lil Wayne fan, but I'm just saying it drives the culture. Even when I was in college, I wore my pants baggy like that. Mm-hmm. But once you get to the big leagues and you wear it like that, it's, they follow that trend, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That was the trend then. Now they're wearing it. Back tighter. Back tight. You know what I'm saying? They went it back tight. I just feel like that's a revolving
4: circle. Purple yeah, jeans I'm, to yeah, Jabo's. We had Jabo's, hmm. they got the purple jeans now. That's how it translates. Well, when the I bag. first
3: came up, it was tight uniform still. So, like, I was trying to find a way to differentiate myself, myself from everybody. So I started wearing my hat to the side like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to the side like this. Even Fernando, now, know, like, I was way over it, and And they hated that. Like, literally hated it. I just got a, I was talking to somebody the other day. It was like, yeah, when you was young, you were bad, but you used to wear your hat over to the side like this. You know, I was, I was like, you know why? To irk like you. That's why I wore it like that, because I couldn't express myself and be who I wanted to be. So if you look at me as my career went on, I'm wearing J's. My uniform is the biggest that you can get. I had the biggest uniform in the league, probably me and Prince. you know what I'm saying? So like, I mean, I wanted kids to look at me and be like, like they could see themselves in me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I mean, I ours was a our lot different though,
2: um, because in, in the '70s and even when I came in the '80s, every team had rules that was enforceable, where we couldn't wear our hair past our ears, and we could not have no facial hair. You couldn't wear you you, you had to show more red. Um, uh, we didn't even have stirrups; so you just had to wear your socks had to come down to here. for uh, for four years, we wore all black spikes because like they didn't want to see no white on the shoes and sh- so we couldn't get shoe contracts and uh, th- I, I end up g- actually getting ready to sue Mars over me signing a deal with Nike that's why we was able to go from black to red mm-hmm. because I was wearing the high top stand and-, and that changed the whole monotony behind
1: how guys was wearing their pants in the uniform. Edie let and me ask you like something that. do yeah. you feel like hip-hop or trends inside of black culture had any effect on the changing of those rules? Because obviously maybe, you know, they went away by the time these brothers got into the league, they weren't there. Do you feel no, like... No,
2: the- uh, it was more that what was happening outside of baseball, and baseball was trying to catch up. Okay. But because still, maybe- you started to see uh, uh, the Fab Five wore the big baggy right, pants, yeah. and they wore the yeah. black socks. But ED moved. that's still hip-hop, though, because those guys are wearing that because... Right, right because they could alter that. They did that in college. They right. could alter that. So that started to change for the guys who started to come, had more voice because mm-hmm. they were seeing it, and it wasn't really derogatory, but it was an individual statement. So now he was able to wear his pants a certain way. Uh, we was able to get the mustache and the goatee. If you look at the Yankees now, you ain't going to see nobody with a long hair. Mm-hmm. In this hip-hop culture in New York where it started. Today. today, yeah. today Because today. of what Mr. Steinbrenner wanted, and they're going to bond with that no matter what. So I- I'm saying that to say, a lot more sports had more impact on what baseball was being allowed to do, more so than just the players.
0: I got to ask about the grill. Because, it, because, because Edward E-Jack was telling me about the first baseball player he saw wore a grill and how that made him feel. And I, I, I want to say it was Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield, the first one I remember.
4: Uh, I mean, like when I had a grill, when I got drafted, my, my dad made me throw it away. I'm like, damn, I done, I done worked bagging these groceries to get this money. What the job did, I did work, and now I got to throw my grill away because uh, it was always portrayed as being gangster. They always looked at it as you're trying to, it's, 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 a, it's a thuggish look, and you don't want to be looking like a thug, but I looked at it as a part of fashion. I mean, obviously, the streets, back in the days, if you had a grill, it probably did portray something. Like, you was probably about that life. But as you get older, the grill was a trend. So it was, it was a fashion. It was fashionable. So I had it on a fashion statement. And uh Gary Sheffield had it. Gary Sheffield maybe had it for a real reason. He had permanence. So he had he had a real, real grill in a Florida boy. And if you know about Florida, Florida boys and grills is like Texas and grills, but they go hand in hand. But uh the, that was that was the inspiration. Like Gary Sheffield had a grill. I never wore it in baseball. Half of the people I wore that night probably never even knew I owned a grill. Cause I knew how to separate on-field baseball life from off-the-field baseball life. And I did a great job of that throughout my career, being able to uh, separate the two and kind of live a double life. But I mean, it was a, it's a fashion statement. It's, I mean, you have a grill it don't change who you is as a person It don't make you bigger, It don't make you better. It's a, it's a fashion, it's like having earrings. It's like, hey man, do you complain about me having earrings? But I mean, just taking the music, I always took the music as like, listen here. I listen to what I like to listen to. They rapping about trapping and being on the streets. I'm trapping on the field. The field is my hustle. That's my trap, that's my grind. They got to do this, and this is my, my in-between the line. When I'm on a hill, that's my trapping. This is my trap, you know what I'm saying? So J- that's how I listen to music. Jason, I, I want to get that. you
1: in there. Okay. The, the South Texas, very distinct style and culture. Very okay. distinct style and culture. How did you reflect where you were from? Um, how do you express that when you were playing?
5: Well, for me, it was the energy, you know what I mean? It was the chip on my shoulder. It was the, um, the quiet aggression. I feel like a lot of people where I'm from, you know what I mean? We kind of let the game do the talking. You know, we're not big talkers, you know, in Houston. and You know, normally in our culture, we, we just go out and kind of stay humble a little bit, and, but yet have this cockiness. So I, I couldn't say that um, I dressed a certain way just because I was from Houston, maybe off I was starching up my pants a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Years old years old, I'm talking about. You know what I mean? But the you know, out, I had, stay I had, had a hard crease. You're you know what I mean? stay flow.
7: State flow. That's
4: what so, I mean. I
1: stay traveled, traveled with it. With it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I used to take my joints. Go I would put top? a little oh, layer yes, in the bathtub oh, and put them in there and get those.
5: Yeah, that edge had to cut you. Yeah, like the whole joint. so I mean, it wasn't anything off field, but off field, I always you know, carry Houston on my back. Um, you know, to chip off Edwin, talk about grills. A team like Houston, the Astros, mm. they embrace Paul Wall. Mm. He has World Series grills for the cast now. What up? Mm-hmm. So now you're really involved in the culture of Houston right there when you do something like that. Yeah. So that's just an
1: example. Scott, Travis Scott is, Travis Scott is yeah. big. That's and, uh, true,
3: yeah, Houston yeah. do a good job. With yeah. The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, once again, you know, the, you guys have been a part of the past, the present. And with the Players Alliance, you guys are a part of the future of Major League Baseball um, and the culture. And you know, we just hope to keep growing and we hope a 50 years of expansion of black culture and hip hop culture and baseball. And 50 years of brothers like yourselves, the next 50 years having power and influence in the game and using it to change lives all over the world. So once again, I commend you guys for what you're doing for the Players Alliance. Thank you for the sit-down. Thank you for the talk. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. you. Appreciate you. Yes, Happy birthday to hip hop. Uh, hopefully I don't stop listening to you in the next three years. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Happy birthday to hip hop. Shout out to the P- Players Alliance. It's been a beautiful weekend um, with some really influential and important men. Um, and I wish the best for them. And I wish the best for hip hop. I, I want to challenge hip hop to continue to grow and evolve and think about what you're putting out there and who is listening to the music with love and affection Just think about what we're doing every time we do it with intentionality. Van Lathen, thank you guys all for sitting down and talking with us. Shout out to Robert Davis. He the king of
7: the side.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. How cool was that? How special was that? Andre did an amazing job on the production. So make sure you check out the visuals and all the extra bonus stuff you can see at the Players Alliance YouTube page. It really is special. We will be back next week with another podcast. Please, please, please tell everybody you know to subscribe to the Black Baseball Mixtape podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Players Alliance on YouTube. Also, if you leave a review, leaving a review on the podcast really helps the, helps the cause. So make sure you do that. And you can also follow us on the Black Baseball Mixtape on X, formerly known as Twitter, and on Instagram. Instagram is our leading platform so for social media right now. So make sure you check out Black Baseball Mixtape everywhere on social media. Until next week, we'll see you.